welcome, or velkommen, as we would say in Norwegian, to The Nordics Unveiled. I am Ernest Elbjørg and I hope you will join my exploration of Nordic. From mythology and folk traditions to lyrical, melancholic and often cautiously optimistic are only a few characters of Nordic. In a series of episodes, I will be joined by inspiring guests trying to break a few stereotypes and answer the question of what is typically Nordic? To learn more about conversations and guests, subscribe to The Nordics Unveiled on your favorite podcast provider or follow me on my Instagram, Facebook or Twitter account. This is The Nordics Unveiled. On today's episode of The Nordics Unveiled, I am thrilled to welcome the exceptional Mette Henriette. She's a Norwegian Sami saxophonist, composer and performing artist who has captivated audiences and critics around the world and was the youngest artist to be signed to the legendary label ECM at the age of 25. Her debut album was praised by the critics around the globe and also named Jazz Record of the Year by The Independent. Mette is as a composer regularly commissioned by orchestras such as Oslo Philharmonic and performed at festivals such as the Ridu Ridu and Berlin Jazz Festival. Probably most intriguing is her innovative use of mixing genres from jazz, classical, tango and even elements of the indigenous yoik can be traced in her very own soundscape. An artistic voice of today and with much more to be expressed in the future, I could not be happier to have her as my guest. Well, first of all, Meta, I have to say, I think you are a fantastic musician, composer and artist, all in one amazing package. And I would like to ask you, what inspired you? Um, <clears throat> wow, thank you so much. Um, that's a good question. Um, that I think I always contemplate on when I work, because it's um, the creative process is kind of so dynamic and autonomous with each project that I think the impulses come from different perspectives each time. And of course, maybe the continuum is, you know, my experiences in life and um, and my tools for navigating. Hmm. And um, so it's a, it's a complex uh, question with a complex answer that can change for each time mm. I think but you are being um, commissioned by a lot of big orchestras for instance do you find it um, fun to arrange and compose for a big symphonic orchestras as opposed to when you have a smaller trio for instance mm. yes absolutely I find it incredibly inspiring and also I mean I'm I'm very grateful to have this wide scope of um formats to work with and I for me um there is of course a big difference in the number of instruments in an orchestra compared to my trio but in the end there are very similar parameters that I explore and of course the different um the the different formats also offer um unique ways 
for me to sort of explore and develop my craft also. And I realized in the work with the orchestras, for instance, that um, it allows me to go very deeply and actually discover many things about myself that I that I have not been aware of in other projects. So I'm very grateful for those um, commissions that have come my way. Yeah. I When I listen to your music, one thing that really strikes me is all the different moods you manage to create. And it can be both, um, both kind of a lot of suspension and relaxation at the same time. It's, it's, um, it's a good mix. And it also is uh, from, I, I find it also to be quite dark in places and melancholic and very um, reflective. Do you think those names and, and description could fit from being from the north? Do you think there is some link there? Good question. Um, it's sort of difficult to answer because, I mean, we all have our perspectives and coming from the north, that is kind of my way of seeing. So in some way, what I create is reflecting my way of seeing and that can um, that can have something to do with the North and um, but it's hard for me I mean I mean in this question there's also um, I'm also asked to answer what is the North and what is the Nordic and I don't know if I know that I mean, quite often in in if we look back in in music history and we look into the very national romantic era, it's mm. it's very easy to think of it as a very happy, you know, carefree time in life, mm. and everything <laughs> was just wonderful. And I don't think that necessarily really captured the Nordic spirit in a way. Mm. And we talk about melancholy and uh, melancholy, and I think that. Um, Sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't. There's also such a huge force from nature that definitely mm. also impacts all of us. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Just going back to what I said uh, on the last question that you asked, it's kind of, I think that all the impressions and experience that we have that are sort of, um, that we share in the North, that are unique for us in the same way as you know the um the surroundings of people in other places is unique and something that they share i think that um nature is certainly one of those things that shape us and teaches how to interact with our surroundings and that shapes our way of approaching and moving in certain situations and I think that um, there's a very wide spectrum of emotions that exists in this culture and also in the music I think there's you know lightness and light and there's also um, the darkness and you know I think that these things don't necessarily have negative or positive 
connotations, but they have some kind of depth and beauty that can be explored in creative crafts and expressions. I also sometimes wonder a little bit about when you see how people live in Norway. And um, I would almost put myself in that category where I come from, which is a teeny tiny little village in the <laughs> middle of nowhere with only around 600 people living. And for I mean, for me, that feels like, you know, we have a lot of people around you. But Norway is a very big country and many people mm. live very secluded. Yeah. And I really wonder if that also somehow reflects itself in how you express music, that mm. kind of... Um, silence and peacefulness, which mm. are the very positives, and then maybe mm. a bit more on the negative side, more the loneliness and more the <laughs> harshness. Um, if maybe that has an effect, I'm not sure. What mm. do you think? Interesting. I guess my roots are sort of um, both Norwegian and Sami. And what I've learned from these cultures that have sort of quite different ways of uh, living uh, historically it's interesting to see how the whole perspective cultural or the perspective of, of these cultures are slightly different I think that um, but also very similar um, but I guess as the western world has developed while indigenous people have sort of nurtured the relationship to nature uh, in a different way um, it's quite interesting to see how landscapes sort of shape one's emotional um, life but also time per perception in a way I mean, one of the things that is kind of striking if you go to Lapland, for instance, is that there are the distances are quite far, which is the same in many valleys in, you know, <laughs> south of Norway as well. Um, but it's it's not unusual to be driving for a couple of hours to visit someone for a coffee, you know. <laughs> and it's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... It's there are many, many little things like that that I feel like reflects a set of values and, um, you know, or how we how we perceive just our surroundings and, and time, you know, mm. regarding what you said about loneliness and and uh, and the silence. I don't know. It's kind of, I think maybe everything, if you point at anything in the world, that there is sort of, it has an inner juxtaposition in a way, uh, which is what gives it um, value. And, uh, and it's um, sort of an, entrance to also inner reflection and I think that um, yeah whatever what whatever it is that we sort of go in and explore we will find these things 
and together they just it's not negative or positive it's just interesting <laughs> that's a good way to see it <laughs> i would i have to say i really love hearing you talk about your sami roots because it's i must say it's something i unfortunately don't know that much about so maybe mm. you could talk a bit more about your sami culture mm. well i'm i'm very happy that you ask because it's true what you said not many people know about it and they I didn't know much about it either until I became a like a teenager. Mm. I of course I had um or I maybe I was a little bit younger. Um but the thing is that in Norway this culture has been oppressed for centuries. So that there are very many Sami people that don't speak the language and there are many um conflicting emotions within the community but also within the individuals um trying to find out how to embody this culture um and and f- to me i have always felt a strong um connection to this culture i i was very close to my grandmother came from there and all my family are from the north um and um but i i never i didn't grow up with uh, speaking the language and um i did have a gakti a sami dress mm. when i was little and uh, my grandmother also had one but she didn't keep it and wear it um so and she didn't teach her daughters the language so I mean and this is just one of the many many symptoms of the oppression you know mm, and right. many others are that there is not that teaching in the schools are not is not very nuanced mm. and uh, I tried to learn Sami in school but I wasn't allowed to or they told me that there were no teachers that could te- teach me oh, really yeah so I'm very oh. happy now that the Sami government is um um supporting the Sami language week and encouraging mm. to, you know, um maintain and take care of these languages and uh, because there are many Sami languages. Yes. And um but I think, you know, recently I or throughout my life actually I've been reflecting upon why I identify with this culture when I haven't, you know, I don't speak the language and i've realized that there are there are some deeper nuances in this culture that is sort of they are more invisible and not really they don't have to do with words even uh and but there is an entire ontology that I noticed that resonate with me and always has. In what way? Is it more like the I mean you said you didn't learn to speak the language as a young but were you exposed to the music traditions and culture? I was a little mm. bit, yeah. Uh the yoik tradition. Ah, oh, amazing. Can yeah. you yoik? I I did learn yoiking when I was um in uh, um in school not in school but i learned it from someone 
it's quite a different thing from songs mm. um, because it's about embodying something concrete or abstract and uh, the it has um, a circular shape mm. not linear um, is it possible to ask you to make a little example just so we can illustrate <laughs> what it actually would be like <laughs> no <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot but <laughs> but it's it's so fascinating really like i also learned from um another um acquaintance of mine who told me that you know so as you talk about the, the how they were so much pushed down the Sami culture and for many yeah. it, it was so difficult to express yourself and yoke yeah. became that outlet yeah. to actually say what you wanted or have your feelings expressed you yeah. Know? yeah and it's something incredibly beautiful about it but also at the same time not to have that in your daily life seems also very um sad <laughs> yeah to speak yeah yeah there were so many things that were taken away mm. uh, from the communities and uh, i mean the drum uh, yes. And uh, the there were certain hats mm. that people they would tell the Sami people that the devil was living at the tip of the hat. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you know the Christians they came and um, mm. uh, so that yeah I mean it really is a it's a wide and long story this about this oppression so i won't like try to even ex sum it up in any way but but it's true that um that the whole sami community um suffered from this both in norway sweden finland and russia and uh, so um and especially in Norway, actually, the sea Sami culture, which is my heritage, were especially mm. uh, exposed to this um, oppression because they were living along the coast where people, you know, would also mm. arrive first. So and they had less um, capital in a way because, you know, in the inland there would be reindeers. It's kind of something that we need to still we grow awareness uh, around and I um, I hope that this is what will happen in years to come. Um, yeah, I sincerely hope so too. And I think the first few steps, I mean, it's been a long way, but every step counts and hopefully it will be much more um, appreciated as it should be. Yeah. I actually was wondering because you grew up with um folk music, mm -hmm. right? Is it when I listen to that, it's quite intriguing to me because I feel some kind of similarities in the in the patterns and I mean there are circular patterns in that music too, both in the dancing but also in the in the rhythms and the shapes am i right like yes absolutely it is it has um 
a shape where it's a certain repetitive part which goes around mm. in loops so to speak and then you have the variations and then you kind of need to find your way out of those variations mm. to get back to the beginning otherwise you're stuck in that loop forever so it is um, and it's uh, it's also a tradition which is um, passed on from generation to generation and a mm. lot of the uh, oldest um, tunes we have you can actually really sense how time has not changed for instance mm. in rhythm because a lot of the rhythm in uh, particular Valdis, where I'm from, um, has its own identity in the rhythm. The rhythm mm. you only find to a certain piece, uh, to a certain tune, you only find in Valdis. And I think that's quite, um, I think that's quite fun to know about. And I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's the same in Sami culture also that you have certain traits where you can geographically pin where it comes from. Yeah, you yeah? can definitely. I mean, both in language, but also uh, there are just certain, like in the Gaktis, you can see certain ornaments that belong to one area right. and uh, you can trace things back to people often people and areas have their yoiks mm. and and so yeah definitely and i mean this is very interesting because i mean i've been thinking that you know in many ways what is sami deeply sami is also deeply universal. And so I I found that, I mean, one of my, the first tours that I did abroad was in uh, Tajikistan. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> and Specific. Yes, yes very <laughs> an interesting <laughs> choice. But yeah, I went there and I mean, I had been quite interested in music along the Silk Road. Mm. Um, also because, I mean, this has some kind of connection also to the nomadic Sami culture. And uh, and when I was there, I could sense similar values and perspectives. And even in the music, I felt that um, interpreting that music felt quite familiar mm. and um, and I mean I'm not comparing um, but it's it could be you know that cultures that have sort of maintained some kind of um, connection to the roots and nature and surroundings could be also, you know, um, areas in where you're from, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, in uh, or anywhere mm, yeah. in the world. But I think, you know, uh, what is such an incredible, valuable source in the world right now, I think, is the knowledge in indigenous cultures and uh, and also cultures that you know just have these kinds of uh, views and understandings that we might have sort of um, um, distanced ourselves from a little bit in Western culture um, and. Uh, I mean, both are wonderful. I live a very urban life, uh, traveling with my music and artistic projects. 
Um, but I think I, I need I need both to be in balance, you know, and I think that both can learn from each other. Absolutely. I think so, too. And I mean, you speak about um, traveling and I know you have been all around the world and you lived in many different places and been exposed to a lot of different expressions and, and, um, and you know, everything from tonality to mm. backgrounds, etc., etc. And I, I just wonder, does it make it clearer for you what you think of as a Nordic? Is there such a thing as a Nordic sound and can we label it, you think? Mm. I think it's... Um it's still hard for me to sort of define that um, or define anything really. Um, but I do know that when I travel, somehow I feel mm, at home everywhere I go. And, but still I notice when I return to Norway, for instance, that there is something just in the air that um, I cannot even identify exactly what is, but there is something there. And I feel it also in the way that, you know, um, people listen to each other in music, for mm. instance. Uh, it's slightly different. I'm not saying it's better or worse or anything, but it has something to it that I was only able to identify and uh, acknowledge and appreciate after being abroad for quite some time. Hmm. I think I know what you mean. There's also a certain freedom you find, hmm. which is not so bound by, uh, you know, hundreds of years of traditions, hmm. let's say. Hmm. There's still very much room for shaping the identity. Hmm. But speaking of air and being fascinated by it, I, I know that you had a longer residency up in Svalbard. Yeah. Yes. And I just, um, I mean, I've been to Svalbard once in my life and I thought it was the most magnificent place on earth. I mm. never felt so magnetically kind of, you know, charged anywhere. And I'm so curious to hear um, how was it for you and what did you take away from being up there? Wow. Oh, that was such an amazing residency. Um, I went there during the darkest time of year. So it was like, I mean, the sun didn't rise at all in, so in one month. Complete darkness. It was <laughs> black, yeah, oh in the sky. But then... The ground was white. And so it was almost like being in this upside down place. And occasionally there would be northern lights in the sky and you could hear the northern lights. What, wait, I have to stop you there. You could hear the northern lights? Yes. In what way? It has this kind of... I don't know exactly how to explain it. It sounds a little bit like electricity, maybe. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> and it's oh. sort of dancing. Yeah. And, um, and it was really, really special 
I mean, I have been there once before also when it was constant lightness. Mm. So the sun never set. But the darkness was something that was just, I felt enveloped in um, something very comforting in a way. And uh, I remember there was a reindeer outside my atelier while I was working. <laughs> um, I spent I spent the residency working on some scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, um, I mean, before I went there, I actually wanted to see what kind of, do I have any connection? How, what is my approach beyond just going there and doing creative work? a process and that I could do anywhere. So I did some research and I was quite surprised to find on um, NRK, which is the national TV here in Norway, that there was a uh, one hour documentary about my great grandfather. Oh, goodness. Okay. Talking, <laughs> talking about when he led the the first demonstration in the coal mines back in 1911, I think. And um, I was very intrigued by this and I thought um, that I needed to learn more about the coal and this history. So while I was there, I also spent some time talking to the people working in the mines there and uh, they were... It was amazing because they actually they knew who my great grandfather was and they <laughs> and they thought it was very interesting to meet someone who you know was his uh, great granddaughter and it's incredible so they gave me some coal and i um i mean i was there it was um i had a graphic workshop mm-hmm. that i could um uh explore um the the sort of substance of coal um kinetically and visually and um so along with the scores started I started to make coal drawings charcoal and coal and uh, and I also did a couple of field recordings up there I mean to me that was a very very interesting process which I felt I had to do also just in order to um, pay respect in a way to the place where I was. Yeah, that's that's really touching, I think. <laughs> um, we I have to go a little bit back to the Northern Lights because mm-hmm. I think this is such an incredible phenomenon. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you said you could actually hear it. I mean, just to see the waves on the sky, you you become, you know, um, just absolutely amazed. Or maybe better saying in Norwegian way, you become fjettret. Mm. <laughs> I think that's also <laughs> a way to say it. And um, I'm just curious to know, like, wh- how did you feel? How do you feel when you see that? Wow. It's like a sports question. How did you feel? But it is really, <laughs> I think it's, I'm really fascinated by it. How does it affect you? Wow. Yeah. You know, so many things in life is almost impossible to put words to. 
And this is sort of one of them, I think. Um, but it's with any kind of moment you spend with something that is grander than you. And you feel a sense of belonging and connection. You can be all alone, but you know, you know that you're part of a whole. And I think that's the best way I can describe that really. And of course, on the surface, you can let yourself be inspired by the movements and the colors and whatever the circumstances, those moments um, are quite special. Most definitely. Do you think it's possible to have a sound of the of the northern lights? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe I mean I'm sure I mean you mean to record it? I mean more in sense of how would it sound in let's say in your universe, what would the uh, mm. northern light sound like? Interesting question. Actually now that you ask, I wonder if maybe it's there already. Hmm. I feel like we might need to put that as an example. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. No, but it is, it is interesting because it is so... I mean, it's uh, it's not that many natural phenomenons that actually doesn't really have a sound. You know, mm. usually it's very loud, everything around the nature, whether we mm. talk about the ice... Um, you know, falling apart mm. or cracking or you have the tornadoes or wind or, you know, water. It's so much mm. sound. Mm. And there you have this incredible light, which is just silent. Mm. And I really wonder, what could the sound be? It could be anything. I feel like sound and music, what is so amazingly inspiring about that craft and outlet is that it doesn't have to illustrate or dictate anything it doesn't have to impose anything it's so open that it can reflect something in so many different ways depending on which facet, you know, you want to extract. Mm -hmm. I think you touched upon this already, but I I know that, um, well, I know, I don't know, but I would like to ask you that uh, you talked about earlier that you lead a quite a nomadic kind of lifestyle. Mm. Does traveling around make you even more aware of your roots? Do you like to be um, talked about as being Norwegian and Sami as a you know, as a composer, as a performer, is that important to you or not so much? To me, um, to feel um, to feel my integrity, I don't need people to talk about that really, because you know it's just part of me. So, you know, even just words like composer and saxophone player don't really I don't need other people to use those words even because I mean they're part of me but it's not covering all parts of me so 
and that goes to that that applies to my background also i mean uh any words that people want to use is sort of fine it's their decision but i but i think that you know my roots and my background is with me always anyway and for me the most important is to be present you know with the people that i'm with and and um you know that's what defines every moment Meta, I am so happy that you wanted to come here today and talk about uh, the Northern Light, your heritage, um, your views on the Nordic. It's been really enriching and I'm so happy to have you as a guest. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for The Nordics Unveiled. My name is Elvig Hemsing and I hope you will continue following my next episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The music in the introduction is from Edvard Grieg's Violin Sonata in G Major, Opus 13, with myself on violin and pianist Simon Trapczewski, released on BIS Records. <laughs>